And there he is. It kicked me out right as the song ended. Like <laughs> this show just doesn't want to happen today, I guess. But it's going to happen anyway, because we're the big dudes in the trenches, and we push through all the obstacles to bring you the weirdest show that we possibly can. That's our goal. Our goal is every show, you walk away saying, wow, what a great podcast. Wow, what a great podcast. <laughs> really? You had something you want to start us off with, though, right before we even got into the news? Well, yeah, as you can see, I have any puppy. So that's great news. Yes, it is great news. But there is, uh, there's something else. Oh, that's else very related that... to football. <laughs> there's something else that maybe you've seen if you've been uh, you know, perusing Twitter. Keeping track of the new Madden release coming up here soon. If you've been doing that, you've definitely seen that uh, Marlon Humphrey is trolling Madden there a little bit, having some fun with them, threatening to sue. And uh, if you've uh, if you've watched the uh, Madden trailer, it's easy to understand why he's getting absolutely destroyed by Nick Chubb, not taking too kindly to it. And uh, I don't know why he's upset because I'm pretty sure he also strips Nick Chubb in that. Uh, in that promo, so I don't, you know, it is what it is. It's it's beautiful <laughs> to see, though. I would love a Speaking. player to sue Madden for how they're portrayed in the trailer. Speaking of Madden, do you know uh, Bill Belichick's not in the game? Of course, he hasn't been right like ever. I don't think ever. Um, he's not in whatever association the co- does yeah, that the deal. Right. Um, so it used to be. Well, the guy whose name was like Griffin Murphy, I think, one of the developers for Madden, got his name on there as the coach of the Patriots. You see, they're <laughs> changing that though, in the name of diversity and inclusion. It is no longer going to be a white guy. It's this. Apparently, though, it's a uh, guy who's been coaching for a very long time in real life. You ever hear this guy, Malone Brown? Malone Brown, dick in your mouth. Got him. He got roasted so hard, he didn't want to be here anymore. But you know what? That's okay, because we're still pushing on strong. <laughs> that was... If I had a hat on right now, which I'm surprised I don't, I would tip my cap to you. That was good. That was good. It was quite the setup. All right. <laughs> we have plenty of news to get into. So let's go ahead and get us started. So we're starting off the NFL like we always do. Uh, first things first is probably the most recent news. Cooper Cup's getting a new contract extension. Now he's already on extension on contract for the next two years. This is a three-year extension on top of that. So for the next five seasons, he will be with the LA Rams. This is an $80 million extension. 75 of that is guaranteed. You have to remember, he just put up tied with Jerry Rice for one of the most accolade, you know, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, acclaimed seasons in wide receiver history. He got the triple crown outright, didn't tie with anybody, yards, receptions, and touchdown catches. He won Super Bowl MVP. He won Offensive Player of the Year. That doesn't happen. (laughs) The only other player to even do anything like that is Jerry Rice. And he didn't and, do it in one season. <laughs> right. So it's it's pretty ridiculous. He is getting paid for it. Uh, 
He's not the highest paid receiver in the NFL, though. This puts him behind Tyreek Hill, Devonta Adams, and DeAndre Hopkins still, which actually kind of feels fair to me. I don't know about you. Uh, I think Hop feels fair. Tyreek Hill, that was we'll a... See. Uh, we'll see what he does without arms, I guess. <laughs> I, I think that's part of it, but the other piece of it, too, is the Dolphins had to go out and get Tyreek Hill, right? This wasn't a guy that was mm-hmm. already on their team, had just won a Super Bowl and had the best season we've ever seen from a receiver right. in that roster. Uh, and then Devonta Adams, too, you know, it's a little surprising he's behind Adams because you would have expected that if Devontae Adams was going to be out earning him, he would still be a Green Bay Packer, right? Because if he was going to go anywhere, it was going to be uh, to the Las Vegas Raiders, right? You know, that's right. where he wanted to go. He wanted to go back home. So it's I think that's the only one that truly surprises me out of this list. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins was kind of undisputed, the best receiver in the league for a couple of years, and that's when he made his deal with the Cardinals. So, right. Well, made right. his deal, got traded, I should say. <laughs> True. But he will be out for the first six games this season. So, I, that's, I think technically, kind of, uh, technically kind Cooper Cup will get paid more this year, I think. Uh, but outside of receivers, the highest paid non-QB in NFL history is now Aaron Donald. A technically a three-year, $95 million deal with $31.5 million coming this year. It's a kind of a weird structure, but honestly, it's a great deal for Aaron Donald. The way this works out, he can do whatever he wants to do. There was speculation, pretty heavy speculation. He was looking to retire after last season. He can go one more year if he wants to, make $31.5 million and walk away. Or he can stay for another almost $30 million the next year. And if he stays all three seasons... That's a, that's a lot of money. Uh, there are two void years on the end of this because the cap is not real. So the Rams are still getting a pretty sweet deal out of this no matter when he walks away. You have to pay Aaron Donald, right? He's I can't think of a more dominant defensive player in at least my lifetime of watching the NFL. And that's even with greats. Like, I would put Aaron Donald above Darrell Revis. I know they play different positions. But, like, as far as absolute dominance on the field, that's probably two of the top guys, and I would put Aaron Donald above him, right? Ray Lewis in that conversation, I would put Aaron Donald above him. What do you think? When you look at, when you look at off- or defensive line, sorry, guys that kind of come to mind in our lifetime, Warren Sapp, very different style of player, just right. really good at clogging up the middle. Right. Julius Peppers, maybe, would be the next true – Julius Peppers and Michael Strahan – True hand in the dirt, yeah. Edge rushers. I straight hand probably a little bit closer, but he didn't have the ability to go inside like Donald does. Right. So it, it's it's awesome to me that he signed a three year deal because we've talked about it. He wanted to do eight years and retire. Like he was fine with that. That was his goal from the beginning. Three years, one guaranteed. Who knows? Maybe you know next year doesn't go exactly the way they want it to. Okay, cool. It works out for both sides, and it looks great on paper for him on the front end, too. Well, it looks great for him no matter what this season. That's true. Another $32 million. I don't think anybody's going to turn that down. Uh, So another contract, this actually got signed a while ago, and I don't think we've ever talked about it yet on the show. David Njoku, 
got signed to a really big extension, which kind of doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So it's a four-year deal, almost $55 million. Only 28 of that is guaranteed. But this still feels like a lot of money for a guy who is kind of the second or third tier of tight ends in the league. Yeah, he's second or third tier tight end in the league. However, he's consistent and he's had the ability to stay healthy for the Browns. So maybe the money side is a little rich for what he's probably worth. But as far as his reliability and what he means to the Cleveland Browns organization, I kind of get it. Again, year range for sure. Price tag, not as much. Fair. So it's... It's it's a it's a weird balance that they've got going on here. And they are letting Austin Hooper walk. He obviously left in free agency. So you kind of need somebody there. That's probably the best tight end on your roster at this point. But again, we're talking about if he's actually worth $55 million. I don't know for sure. Uh, so, yeah, Mike here in the comments brings up a great point. Bruce Smith is a phenomenal player. I didn't get to see him play in my lifetime. I'm just going to be honest with you. Yep. Same thing <laughs> we with talking, Randall. <laughs> we were talking about uh, players in our lifetimes that Aaron Donald is better than, and that's probably everybody. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know a single player in the league who matches up to the physical dominance of Aaron Donald, and I would say either side of the ball. That is that's one heck of an athlete. Um, speaking of the Cleveland Browns, the, right. Speaking of the Cleveland Browns, though, with David Njoku, uh, I think we have to talk about the quarterback situation going on a little bit. Yeah, I saw you. Okay, you do have QBs. Here's here's what's blowing my mind, right? The Browns have royally fucked themselves in all of this. Right? <laughs> yeah. every, I feel like every every time we mention this, it starts with the fact that they pissed off Baker Mayfield. Right. And they did it by bringing in a guy that they're not even sure is going to be allowed to play this year. Right. And it's not looking any better for Deshaun Watson right now. Yeah. So Baker Mayfield is being allowed to skip mandatory camp, which, you know, is what normally what happens in these situations. He's about to not be on the team anymore. It's really obvious to everyone. That's why nobody's making any trade offers. Because why do they have to give anything up? The Browns are so desperate to cut him anyway. And then Deshaun Watson added a couple more cases. And now the Houston Texans themselves are a defendant, too. So this is a whole ordeal. Yeah. It's... They might be... uh, Might be looking to start Jacoby Brissett. Maybe we'll see what it comes down to. <laughs> this is something else. And Mike, they gave up worry. all those picks. They gave away all that guaranteed money just to not even be anywhere close to contending for a playoff spot. So, first first I want to say, Mike, don't worry. We're all getting there. Uh, 30 scraping up me faster than I want it to. Painted Bronco, you're exactly right. Browns fucked everybody namely themselves, in true Cleveland fashion. Um, I wasn't going to stop with the uh, are you upset you're no longer a Browns fan joke. Brown fan, Browns fan. 
whatever. You get what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I was never going to relent. Uh, but like, at this point, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if there's any Browns fans left. So, <laughs> oh man, wild. Well, and, and the worst, the worst part about it is, who are they going to get? Because it's not like they're going to. I don't you, know. You look around where maybe they could pull somebody from that's not already on a team, and you're looking at Colin Kaepernick. The, Colin Kaepernick. You're looking at the FCF. I don't know how real any of that's going to translate. As fun as they are to watch in 50 yard Well, football. just had a great FCF quarterback just get cut for smoking weed. <laughs> just saying, bringing the. Memphis I mean, guy. I know they've been through that with uh, Josh Gordon, but still. Policies are different now. Very true. Just don't do it on the field. <laughs> and here's the other thing. Do you want any of those USFL quarterbacks on your team? Be honest with I me. I don't. I don't either. I, I don't love want two them. of them, and I don't want I, any of them. I wouldn't want them on my team if I were Division Two. So, it's, it's not I would, looking good. I would maybe go to Amu. He's, had, he's shown, had opportunities before. Maybe there's another right. guy that deserves an opportunity. I mean, at this point, you're not getting a starter. You signed oh, Jacoby no. Brissett to start in case of this happening. It's just who that's the only three quarterbacks you have on the roster right now, right? So what do you what else can you possibly do? It's a there's been a track record of Cleveland Browns going into a season with two or three quarterbacks on the roster, maybe even three or four quarterbacks on the roster, because they expect this anyway. They all get hurt. They're starting their eighth quarterback by week 15. And yep. it's it's always been a mess in Cleveland. As long as as long as they've come back, it's been just a total mess. Tim Couch is technically the franchise leader in passing yards. So it's it's not good up there. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it I, is starting to really look like Jacoby Brissett's going to be your starter. Well, Which, yeah, I, I don't know best QB3 in the league for sure. He's also in the best position to actually right. play this year, to Mike's point here. Serviceable, absolutely. He'll be able to hold his own. The real question is going against subpar defenses. I don't know. I think they've got enough with that line in the run game that even against decent defenses, they're going to be able to pull something out. So when they're playing the good defenses, though, yeah, I 100% agree he's going to struggle. The Browns will struggle. Might be enough to get them into the playoffs, though, which that would be right. This this is going to be, be a wild for the Browns. If they actually make the playoffs, with Jacoby Brissett starting all year? Oh, Kevin Stefanski needs to win Coach of the Year. I'll tell you what, <laughs> easily Jacoby Brissett. I agree, one of the best backups in the league. At the same time, he was the guy that the Colts thought Carson Wentz was an upgrade. So let's let's be realistic with our expectations here for the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> uh, anyway, a former Browns player, Alex Mack, just retired. And he's been in the league a long time. I think 13 seasons. I remember when he was a first-round draft pick. And <laughs> I remember everyone in the fan base going absolutely nuts. Why didn't we take another quarterback? We need another quarterback. And then Alex Mack becomes, I don't know, one of the best centers of the last decade in the NFL. So, you know, that was always cool, <laughs> seeing the fans overreact, too. I'm so glad I'm not a Browns fan anymore. Uh, <laughs> he, he left the Cleveland Browns because they were awful. 
and went to go play for the Atlanta Falcons and then followed Kyle Shanahan to the 49ers. And seven Pro Bowls overall, three second-team All-Pro selections, and he did make the Hall of Fame's 2010's All-Decade team. Fantastic career for him. We always ask the question, is this a Hall of Fame career? I mean, you got it right here. Made the all-decade team. I think right. he will get in. When he gets in, I don't know. Uh, there's always that argument of if you aren't a first ballot guy, what's – I mean, it, it gets nothing really changed, difficult. right? Like, right, right. So uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see uh, – Man, who would he be even be going in with at this point? When would he be first ballot eligible? Drew Brees? 2027, 20, I believe. Right. So Drew, Ble- blah, blah, blah. Drew Brees is on that list, right? It's one. He retired before this season. so Oh, that's right. That was that. two years ago. Right. <laughs> I uh, guess you're getting old enough you don't remember that. So Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't. Frank Gore. Frank Gore officially retired this year. Yeah. So there's there's one guy yeah. he's going to have to compete with for sure. Um, uh, there were some others. Definitely were some other people Andrew retired. Whitworth. Andrew Whitworth. <laughs> Andrew Whitworth, for sure. That'll be a conversation. Are we really bringing in two offensive linemen in a single year? Ought to, that's, but that's where it happens. You know that we agree that they should bring in two right. offensive linemen. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Year, but yeah. Um, can't think of anybody else. I know I'm probably missing somebody that's worthy of this conversation. Well, you know who probably should get in as a coach, but also maybe not, is Romeo Cornell, just retired at the age of 74. So, nice. <laughs> Whole I career think... there. 50 years of coaching overall, 40 years in the NFL. He has been the head coach of the Cleveland Browns and of the Kansas City Chiefs at separate times, of course. Um, defensive coordinator for the Chiefs, defensive coordinator for the Texans. If you played defense in the NFL in the last 40 years, you probably touched in some way by Romeo Cornell. Guy was revered by his players, not only as a coach, but as a great guy too. And kind of hate to see him go. He was a staple in the league. Love seeing him on the sidelines. I think what's going to hurt him are his numbers as a head coach. I mean, it, it sucks to say because he is a great coach. He's a great name. He's synonymous with the NFL at this point. And unfortunately the Browns were not good with him as a coach. And the Chiefs were <laughs> the Chiefs were this middling team that they were until Andy Reid got there with Patrick Mahomes. So right. I it's tough to really say, hey, yes, he's going to be Hall of Fame or even be in the conversation when that time comes. Uh, but he had a fantastic career and I think the game's better for it. Really hard to make the Hall of Fame as a defensive coordinator, but It'd be that'd be sweet, <laughs> and if anybody Wouldn't deserves it, it, Romeo Cornell probably does. And <clears throat> I guess we're on the train of retirements. Drew Brees technically kind of retired from broadcasting after one season of the booth, because yeah, he was bad. <laughs> he had potential, we'll say. <laughs> uh, still on contract technically with NBC. He can come back at any time. Of course, NBC's going to want him back, even if he wasn't that good, because it's Drew Brees. And Can you imagine the show of Drew Brees and Tom Brady when Brady retires? I can't. That would be... Brady got the deal with Fox, though, didn't he? 
Well, NBC has kind of already said they would be totally fine with him leaving the network if he wants to, but also they'd be fine with him coming back. So they don't care. I think a Breeze <laughs> Brady show would be be worth watching. I'd would watch that, the first episode at least. Put that up head to head with a Manning cast. See what happens. Manning cast will win just because of Eli's dorky face and Peyton Manning just being Peyton Manning. Oh man. So yeah, Drew Brees may or may not be back in Ruth at some point in the future. We have no idea. I I kind of it was it was really weird to me at the time because it was like a year before he even retired. NBC came out and announced they had a deal in place. Now, I know before Tom Brady's even done with his playing career, Fox has this deal in place. Why are they doing that? From a network perspective, not from a player perspective, you have a job lined up, you have guaranteed money lined up. That's a brilliant move. On here's here's exactly what's going to happen is old guys like my dad are going to get confused and be like, how was he playing? I thought he had a deal with Fox. That's, I, that's exactly what's going to happen. All you're doing is you're going to piss off some of your older fan base. That's all that's going to happen doing this. I Hopefully. know this conversation's coming. I know this conversation's coming. Hopefully, Tom Brady plays all of his games on Fox this year, just to make people even more mad. <laughs> he signed a deal to play on Fox. <laughs> <laughs> so, last bit of NFL news. The Denver Broncos were officially sold to Rob Walton, of course, one of the kids of Sam Walton who started Walmart and Sam's Club. And, yeah, it's really weird because... Basically, all of Colorado sports is now owned by the Walton family. I did not realize Sam Kroenke married into the Walton family. That's yes. Disgusting. Ann Walton married Stan Kroenke, and now Stan Kroenke and Anna Walton both own the Avalanche. They own the Nuggets. They own the Rapids, which is Major League Soccer. They own the Mammoth, which is lacrosse. They're also bidding on the Rockies, and now Rob Walton is the owner of the Broncos. So this so is which, the first time, first time ever, there would be a single family owns every professional team in a market, which is disgusting, but also I'm kind of jealous. Not which one lie. of these teams moves to Northwest Arkansas first? I got to know. None of them. They're going to move Walmart's headquarters to Denver before that happens. <laughs> I don't know. What, what's, what's the tax situation? That's what these guys are looking for. Well, apparently they're powerful enough to change it, so do whatever they want. That's fair. That is fair. <laughs> Taxpayers got to get their – or the tax guys got to buy their stuff somewhere. They're probably going to buy it at Walmart. So it was hilarious to me. Rob Walton bought the Broncos for $4.65 billion, and it was been it's been rumored – that their the valuation is going to come in around five billion. It's about five billion dollars for an NFL team at the moment. So, after it was announced that Rob Walton's bid was accepted, the owner of the 76ers came out and said, "I totally would have bid five billion if they would have confirmed that that would have won." I'm like, "That's not how bidding works, dude." You can. <laughs> Second of all, why are you coming out after the fact? and saying that you want to be the owner of the Denver Broncos when 
you could have submitted a bid and you would have won with five billion. <laughs> I guess he's just waiting for the Eagles to be for sale. I don't know. <laughs> oh man. Also who's dying to save relevant is what that sounds like. Who has five billion dollars laying around? I wanna meet these people and become friends with them. Rob Walton, but then he did the uh, the price slash and he got it down to four six. Beautiful, beautiful. You're welcome. I was slap I was a smiley dying. face on the on the mile highs. <laughs> Roll back. We're rolling back prices. <laughs> <laughs> so that's about it for NFL news. Let's go ahead and jump to some college news now uh, on the topic of money, I guess. The Big 12 just made record revenue. They're going to be distributing $426 million between their 10 member schools. That's quite a bit of money. A lot more than people expected from the Big 12, got to say. And actually, it's a 10% increase over the old record for revenue. So not even not even comparing to COVID years Comparing to pre-COVID years, this is this is a new high. So a good time to be looking for a new commissioner. Sure, you're losing Oklahoma and Texas, but also, who cares when you have BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston all coming in and you're making record revenues? So they're not going to make this record revenue with Oklahoma and Texas gone. Let's just let's get that out of the way. They're not going to see this rise. They're probably not going to go up again next year. I'm just curious if they're going to drop 25%. If they're only going to drop, if they only drop 5 to 10%, they're doing fantastic. Right. So I think that largely depends on who they bring in as commissioner and what kind of deals they can strike without Oklahoma and Texas there. And I think the other we'll thing see. that's the other thing that's going to depend on this is are Oklahoma and Texas going to be dominant this year? You know, two years into NIL, they're drawing in all these guys with money. NIL deals, is anybody else going to be competitive? Because if they're not, I think it's going to hurt them in the long run. If they are competitive, if somebody else is able to steal another Big 12 championship from Oklahoma, and Texas hasn't won it in a while, but we'll throw them in there too because they're the cash cow of the conference. Right? And they're technically the favorite this year right now. According to Vegas. I, yeah, they've been the favorite for like three years. Right. Um, <laughs> or at least expect to do much better than they have. Yeah. The point is, if Baylor, Oklahoma State, TCU, yeah, those are about the only three that have a legitimate shot of competing. I was going to try and think of one. Not more. even, not even TCU. Honestly. I know. Yeah. Definitely not Texas Tech right now. Nope. Definitely not the Kansases. Definitely not West Virginia. Nope. BYU, Big Twelve champs this year. Out of nowhere, they join right now and they win. <laughs> didn't they? Didn't they claim a championship last year because they beat everybody? The Pac twelve. They claimed the Pac twelve. Yeah, right? they claimed the Pac twelve championship. <laughs> <laughs> Which, fair enough. Everybody won the Pac twelve championship last year, except for except the, the Pac twelve. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if you get on, put that on your resume. Pac twelve champion, twenty twenty one. So, yeah, the Big 12 is happening still, still exists. They're doing well for themselves. Good job. Also, Oklahoma and Texas are the two teams in the softball college world series. 
So I guess that's going to be SEC territory down too. Yeah, it's been that way for a while. I think Florida State had a good push last year, and then just yeah. I think they ran into Oklahoma actually. Well, Louisville had a couple of good years too. There was a crazy stretch right when I started going to school there. Won the Sugar Bowl, won the national championship in men's basketball, won the national championship in women's basketball, won the softball championship, won the diving national championship, and got uh, they made it to the baseball college world series. And then ever since then, they've been in a dumpster fire. So what a well, great what one season. For that's what happens when you're taking all that, all that money under the table and get caught because you're not a true blue blood. Right. Right. Uh, hey, speaking of Louisville, they have a new athletic director. <laughs> so technically not new. He was the interim athletic director for quite some time now. Honestly, the selection process took a while. They were holding interviews in Dallas for like two months, and they ended up promoting their interim guy, Josh Hurd, to be the full-time Real Deal athletic director. Kind of an internal promotion. He's been in and around the program for, I think, like 12 total years. There was a stop in between, so he came back to Louisville and then promoted to interim AD. And now he's full-time. So it took him a while to figure that one out. But they are the last ACC team to fill in their athletic director role. Good job, Louisville. You finally did something. Now, how about you go get a president? Because you still don't have one of those. What a school to be an alumni of. Wow. What a great college. I bet you they call and ask for donations every year, too, huh? They don't call, luckily. They just send me things in the mail like every month. (laughs) I technically still have a Louisville email address too because I graduated from there. So they're like, yeah, you can keep the email. I intentionally lost the log into that. (laughs) Because all I would get was them asking for money. Anyway, moving on. Sounds right. Pulling a Bobby Petrino, let's go talk about Arkansas. Uh, Sam Pittman Pittman got a contract extension through 2026. He's going to be making about $6 million a year, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more, uh, kind of around there. With incentives, it'll be somewhere a little bit over $6 million, I believe, per year. There is a clause in there. He will get an automatic one-year extension if they win seven or more games in a single season. For the bowl to qualify inside of that seven or more games, though, it has to be against our five opponent, which I thought was a very interesting stipulation. So you can't just make a trash bowl game and beat, I don't know, Wyoming and get to claim a seventh win, get a one-year extension. No shade, Wyoming, but let's be real. If you play against an SEC team in a bowl game, you ought to lose. So... (laughs) Sam Pittman gets a good extension. I love to see it. He used to be an offensive line coach. Got his shot as an old guy. Nobody was giving him a chance. And he took Arkansas to some pretty, really fun to watch seasons these past couple of years. So I'm glad to see him sticking around. And that was definitely the right decision. Hiring Sam Pittman. Love to see it. Official SEC team of the Big Union trenches. Love to see Sam Pittman getting this extension here. 
which I never thought I would say when Brett Bielema was down there. I can't stand Brett Bielema. Every five years. You mean the guy being, that doesn't like Russell Wilson? Right. What or his players, dweeb. apparently. <laughs> Illinois extended him too, oh, though. So, you know. Yeah. Fired Lovey. Hey, talking about the Big Ten. You see this new name, image, and likeness Dude. deal that CJ Stroud just got? It's fucking ridiculous. Today? Man. Yeah. So, so, go ahead and explain what it is. I'll, I'll talk, we can talk about the conversation I saw. So, apparently, back around draft time, Chris Olave got a sponsorship deal with a local luxury car dealership. I say local. It's really in Canton. So, about an hour away. And uh, CJ Stroud said, wow, that looks pretty freaking sweet. I want some of them, too. So, he reached out to his little agency group, and they worked out a deal. And now he gets a new car. Every 45 to 60 days, just for some social media shout outs for this dealership. And it was originally reported that he drove off in a Bentley, but he came back like an hour later and then rolled off in a G Wagon. So he has free reign over vehicles on the lot. This is wild. Why? But also really cool. But also why? You know, I saw somebody somebody bringing this up, and that this person is vehemently opposed to NIL. So I'll, I'll I'll open up with that. Goes on to say, you know, how are how are regular kids that are getting, you know, mountains of student loan debt and can't even afford to go to the games half the time? Like, how are they going to feel seeing this? I'm like, look, I was one of those kids, and I kind of hated the full scholarship athletes to begin with. So what's the fucking difference? Right, right. I like. I know what's exactly fucking what changed. Yes. What do you, you know? What are you? What are we complaining <laughs> about here? So, man, it's uh, this is fucking wild, bro. Yeah, me pulling up in my Ford Ranger that I wrecked three times. It's net parking next to CJ Stroud and his Bentley isn't going to make too much of a difference to me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and somebody brought up, what about taxes? Isn't he going to get taxed like crazy for this? Because it's like a two hundred thousand dollar car. And first of all, you don't think his agents thought of that? And second of all, this isn't his only NIL deal. He's making seven figures this year. The dude's a Heisman finalist. He's making money. Relax. <laughs> it's also Ohio. He probably pays like 3% taxes. <laughs> so well, he plays for Ohio State, so the state <laughs> probably just cut his state income tax. You know, They're just like, eh, just pay your federal taxes. It's fine. There's- just call him a state employee anyway. At this point, <laughs> what's the difference? Last bit of college news. We do have the College Football Hall of Fame ballot been officially announced. The first time appearances are for Tim Tebow, Reggie Bush. Justin Blackman was really dominant, but nobody remembers him because he sucked in the NFL. Um, Alex Smith is on there. Eric Weddle is on there. Um, you have guys that still haven't made it in, right? Eric Berry, uh, Tony Gonzalez, Ray Lewis are still on the ballot, haven't made it in yet. And coaches, too, Larry Coker, Paul Johnson. I mean, some really big-name coaches that haven't made it into the Hall of Fame yet. Mark Richt, I mean, Frank Solick, had been with Ohio for so long. Really solid coach. I don't know if he's really getting in at the same time. It's cool to see him getting some recognition here. 
and it's a stacked ballot. I don't know if you've read through this whole thing, but it is. I'll, I'll tell you this wow. much: Tim Tebow and Reggie Bush are absolutely getting in. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's a foregone conclusion. I would argue Justin Blackman will, Blackman will as well. Should because he, should. he was amazing in college, which two time Blitnikoff winner. Which brings me to Ray Lewis. I couldn't even tell you what college he went to. But he was electric in the NFL. Okay. okay, he went to the U. and Okay, you get my point. He's more of an NFL guy than a college guy, right? Sure. Sure, but you don't let that, don't let that knock the player and what he accomplished in college. He accomplished a lot. He was a first-round draft pick, right? You don't get that by being a bum in college and then only popping off in the NFL. Same with Alex Smith. He was number one overall pick, right? He was really good at Utah. Okay. It's one of the this is this is where we're gonna go. If Tug was here, he'd say it. What are the guys that you actually remember and who was markedly better when they were in college? Justin Blackman is Blackman is right on that line. Alex Smith is not. He wasn't really marketed as a guy until he was in the NFL. Okay. Sure. Number one overall pick wasn't a guy. Yeah, absolutely. He he and Urban Meyer made Utah into a respectable football program, which it still is today because of what they did. Like that wasn't a thing until they got there. How okay? How are those four the first four guys and Eric Weddle for that matter? How are they first time eligible now? They all graduated, left college at different times. Yeah, so there are some weird rules on eligibility. It's you have to be out of college for 10 years or retired from professional football for a certain amount of time, or it's like a combination of things and the time gets added together. It's really, I don't understand the eligibility criteria, honestly. So I just wait to see what the ballot is every year. And (laughs) I don't try to take any guesses. Pro football hall of fame is very easy. It's five years. Right. College Football Hall of Fame is not that easy at all. Clearly. <laughs> Which also probably explain, explains why uh, Tony Gonzalez, Ray Lewis, and Eric Barry are still on this list versus having already gotten in. Whatever. Fair enough. Let's, Fair enough. Let's, let's try and make sense of something. Figure it out, College Football Hall of Fame. But that's about all I got for college news. Off to you, man. Yeah, so faster, funnier here, because again, once again, did not watch the USFL, was unable to, and uh, it went just as everybody expected. The Generals beat the Maulers 29-18. to Birmingham and the Breakers actually had quite the game. 10-9 victory for the Stallions to remain undefeated. Philadelphia Stars won 46-24 over the Panthers, and uh, they clinched their spot in the playoffs. And then last but not least, you got the Bandits and the Gamblers. Um, I think it's probably going to come down to next week to see if it's going to be Bandits or Breakers, and what do you know? They yep. play each other, so it's very right. much a win to get in in that game. The Bandits beat the Gamblers 13-3. Moving on to this weekend. We will have on Saturday the 11th, 
at 1 p.m. on NBC. It'll be the General versus the Panthers. At 6 p.m. on USA, the Gamblers Gamblers will be losing to the Birmingham Stallions. Sunday at 12 at 4 p.m. on Fox, the Bandits will be playing the Breakers for a spot in the playoffs, that final spot, undecided spot in the playoffs. Last but not least, we have the Philly Stars versus Pittsburgh Maulers at 7.30 on FS1. And let's be real, Philly clinched because they're going to win this game against the Maulers, too. Um, right. It's uh, Yeah, there's definitely three tiers of teams here. It's the Stallions and Generals, and then it's a kind of a gap. Then you have the Stars, Breakers, and Bandits, and then it's a huge gap. You got some high school teams. Yeah. You got some high school teams, and then you got the Mullers, Panthers, Gamblers. Here's the other thing, though, too. I don't know if the gap is really as big as it's maybe being made out to be. I think the biggest gap is just the Stallions and everybody else. Because the Breakers, a lot of people were looking at as one of the best teams in the league at the beginning of the year. And the same thing with the Bandits, right? The Stars kind of came out of nowhere. Well, they've been beating each other up, but everybody's been beating the Mullers, Panthers, and Gamblers. So that's true. I'm I'm saying I'm calling it a second tier. That's There's three fair. tiers. That's fair. That's very fair. I don't know, man. I'm gonna I'll give it an effort. I'll give it I an feel effort. like I'm just gonna wait till the playoffs at this point. Try to watch some football that quote unquote that, matters for these guys. Th- yeah, that might be the best best chance to really watch, see the best uh best action yeah. on the field. And hey, there. Let's not forget, we're gonna be able to watch a championship football game on Fourth of July weekend. Like, not bad. That's that's pretty sweet. No matter so, the level of competition. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which a bigger, better level of competition? We'll go over to the FCF now, and uh, we'll talk about what happened this week. It was the first round of the playoffs, and this one went down to the wire in the first game in the NFT region conference, whatever they're calling the new guns. Board Ape Football Club wins 38-32 to 32 over Adoki. Adoki had come back with 40 seconds left to take the lead. And on the last play of the game, as it's happened a couple times this season, Board Ape Football Club comes back, wins the game, and it secured the first spot in the People's Championship. Man, this was – wow. There's there's no other words for it. Seeing it happen in the regular season is one thing. Seeing it happen like in the playoffs, it was yeah. <laughs> wild. Absolutely wild. Cool. Moving on to the next one. I think Tug spoke this into existence. He talked about all year how the Zappers, you know, last year they – they didn't do so well, blah, blah, blah. And then they, they made it to the playoffs and, and won it. And I'm like, no, dude, they didn't they didn't win. They didn't even they didn't make the championship game either. I was like, I, I swore they did. I was like, no. No, they didn't. And they this year though, that's exactly what they did. And the catalyst for it seemed to be the drill Tug saying trade. all those nice things. And Tug saying all those nice things. But that TO trade, I don't I don't know what happened. The Kingpins went the exact opposite direction that they were hoping to go. And the Zappers went up and up and yeah, didn't way. the Zappers start the year like 0 and 3 and yep. now they're in the championship. So yep. <laughs> pretty and crazy. It's been a it's been a rough couple of weeks for the Sherman Stars. 
uh, dealing with the first loss ever to the Glacier Boys last week and then getting absolutely embarrassed by the Zappers this past week. And they will be giving up the crown, the title of People's Champion. Um, and this, it's brutal. Absolutely brutal. Shout out to The Rock for not suing the FCF for this, by the way. You know, unlike, uh, right. You know, unlike he's Sue Bird. Right now. <clears throat> yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway, so back to football. This week is going to be fun. Please, please, please make sure to tune in on Twitch, NBCLX, Dazzin, or Fubu, Fubo, Fubu, Fubo, Fubo. Whatever. Everybody gets a picture here. Board Ape Football Club Zappers for the People's Championship. Also. If you have the time and you would like to be entered for a chance to win $300 worth of FCF merchandise, let me make sure it's on Twitter here. I got an email about it. And the FCF is doing a survey, a fan survey, that if you go and answer all the questions, you do the do the survey, you will be entered in that in for a chance to win. Uh, win the big money there. I'm checking to see if they have a link for it on their Twitter. Because like I said, I found out about it. Uh, I found out about it via email. So, pulling it up now. Let's see. Maybe. I'm not seeing anything on here. Keep your eye on Twitter. Keep your eye on all their socials. It might be coming. All right? Everybody might get the chance. Maybe you just need to go create an account and sign up for their... Uh, for their emails and you'll you'll get that email and that chance to go and win yourself some free fcf merchandise and 300 dollars is going to get you a lot of merchandise depending on what you want to so definitely don't pass that up if you uh like taking surveys it's a good time i got nothing oh, for the I, xfl I times i actually do have something for the xfl i'm surprised you found something i got something on my own so there is a new section on shop.xfl.com for 2023's cities. It's not live yet, though. So technically, we don't know what it is. But somebody kind of busted in, and we think we know the cities for the XFL. So this is not official in any way. We don't know for sure. But we think we know the cities for the XFL 2023. Are you ready for this? Yes. San Antonio, Washington, like D.C., good, St. Louis, good, Seattle, good, Orlando. They're, hold on, let's let's pause for a second. Okay. That okay. Seattle fan base, the first, so the first four San Antonio, St. Louis, D.C., Seattle. Yep, San Antonio had the best fan base in the AAF, in my opinion. right, right, and you I just listed off the, up there. You, well, you just listed off the three best fan bases from the XFL two years ago. True. Right. Like, that's that's the order we just went in there. So, who was, who was that fifth team again? Sorry. I... So, then there's four more. Orlando, Las okay. Vegas, Houston, Dallas. Three teams in Texas. Three teams in Texas, which I – when they didn't go to San Antonio – my initial thought was, well, probably don't want to have three teams in Texas. Right. But it is interesting. No New York, no L.A., which I think is a good move. You can't – it's been proven not to really work too well. 
<laughs> LA is a fantastic move. New York, it's a good move. It's unfortunate. I thought uh, I, the biggest problem with New York was the stadium's way too fucking big. Yeah, right. True. With with true. how ticket sales were set up for the XFL, and I imagine probably will be again this this time around. Uh, way too fucking big. And again, that was kind of a, a pet project of Vince McMahon. New York is very important to him in the wrestling world. Uh, you know, Madison Square Garden is mecca of wrestling, right? Like that is that's right. the venue. And I think Vince McMahon ties New York, uh, holds New York in that regard. In, in moving into the XFL, right? Uh, Vegas is another one that's kind of interesting. I'm curious if they're going to play at the Roomba or if they're going to play at UNLV's old stadium. Right. Because... <laughs> or I know either I... of those options. Why not go to the MLS stadium, which has worked better for these leagues in the past. It's, it it worked fantastically for DC. Right. And it and worked for the Chargers, too. It didn't work for the Wildcats, though, which is, you know, why right. makes sense. Orlando, man. So they're not going to be in Tampa either. Yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of like that move, though, just because Tampa feels a little bit saturated. If you're going to do football in Florida, go to a city that doesn't have it yet. Where where would they? I mean, Obviously, we're we're in I, full speculation mode now. Are they going right. to play at the bounce house, or are they going to play at Camping World Stadium? I would, I would think they're probably not going to get a deal with UCF for that. It would probably have to be. Orlando has a a soccer stadium as well. True. When you go back to the AAF, though, like Orlando Apollos played at the bounce house, so. Yeah, I don't hate that idea, but it might be better to do a smaller stadium still, right? Kind of my thinking. It'll be interesting. I'm I'm excited for it. I'll say that off the top. So we don't know for sure, but that's a that's a decent list of eight cities. You're gonna do bring the XFL back. I I respect that list. It makes sense to me. Absolutely, absolutely. So I can't believe I found something for the XFL and you didn't. That's it makes my day. I I looked. I <laughs> you know, I I had seen rumors, uh, but I hadn't seen anything claiming to have gotten into to site code yet. So that's that's yeah. next level from what I had. So somebody oh. somebody thinks they cracked it. So we might know the the eight cities. We might not. We might not. <laughs> Let's go ahead and jump into our conference USA preview. This is the second. In an 11-part series we're going to be doing over the course of the summer, we're reviewing every single conference plus the independents. That's why it's 11 in the FBS. And we're going to be going through every single team, talking about some additions, some losses, some coaching, speculation, and wrap up the conference with who we think is going to be in the championship game and who's going to win the conference. So we're talking about Conference USA. It's smaller than it was last year. Southern Miss is gone. Marshall is gone. Old Dominion is gone, which means we don't have divisions anymore. We don't qualify for divisions anymore in Conference USA. We don't have enough teams. So the conference as a whole is Charlotte, Florida Atlantic, Florida International, Louisiana Tech, Middle Tennessee State, 
North Texas, Rice, UAB, UTEP, UTSA, and Western Kentucky. Now, as I read off those list of school names, it certainly feels like there's a very obvious tier list in Conference USA, just like I was saying in the USFL. There are some decent teams here, and then there are some teams that, boy, I would love to see them on a Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you mean 1-11 FIU? Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. Uh, Also with a first-year head coach, Mike McIntyre, after Butch Davis uh, retired. So... <laughs> yeah, cool. we we only had three bowl wins out of this conference last year. From MTSU, who started off the year rough, ended seven and six though. And Rick Stockstill is on his seventeenth season coaching MTSU. Up and down, all throughout his time there, they're they feel like they're coming up though. Maybe 7-6 is the peak of that coming up, though. I mean, that's very possible as well. ESPN's got him at 5.2 projected. So I mean, Yeah. Uh, UAB did win the Independence Bowl last year, finishing the year 9-4. and four. And Western Kentucky won the Boca Raton Bowl, finishing the year 9-5. and five. Conference champ UTSA did lose the Frisco Bowl to finish the year 12-2, and two, though. That's... Kind of impressive to me if they actually lost that one. Um, it is what it is, though. And actually, Conference USA had two different teams in two different bowl games in Frisco. The Frisco Bowl they lost, and the Frisco Football Classic. The North Texas lost that one, finishing the year six and seven. And I'll throw this out here too. I think I talked about North Texas a few times, saying, "Hey, you know, keep an eye on them. They're coming up." They're only projected six point six, but I would take that over all day long. I I could see this team winning. Probably would too. Yeah. Eight potentially pushing nine, nine, ten wins. They made a lot of improvements. They've been coming up for a bit here. The conference is pretty weak. You know, you you look at it. If they play everybody in the conference, I don't know their schedules. The only games I would be majorly concerned about them losing are UAB, UTSA, and Western Kentucky. Yeah, everybody else they should win or be very, very competitive. So we did talk about Mike McIntyre taking over first year at FIU. There's also a first year head coach at Louisiana Tech. Sonny Cumbie is coming back to Louisiana Tech. Uh, He last year he was Texas Tech's offensive coordinator, but he's been around the Bulldogs program as well. Their previous head coach Skip Holtz, they kind of mutually parted ways, kind of. And he's now the head coach of the Birmingham Stallions. So he's doing okay with himself over in the USFL. Came out way, way ahead. <laughs> I don't know about way ahead in terms of salary, but in terms of record, he's doing a lot better this year than he was last year. <laughs> uh, and then there are some ho- co- some coaches, I would say, are on the hot seat. I don't know if you agree. I would certainly say... Rice, Charlotte, and Florida Atlantic are probably expecting some kind of improvement or else you're going to be wanting to move on. I don't I don't see Rice having that improvement this season, though. I think that's probably the biggest problem. Let me, let me look. 
I feel like we talk about this every time with Charlotte of when they came up from FCS, and it it feels like it was last season, but uh, clearly it wasn't. Right. So I have to look it up every single time. Yeah, it was way earlier than you think. Every single time. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, FCS. FCS Independent in 2013. Yeah, I mean, at this point, come on. If you're still having problems recruiting, you're still not able to put together a decent enough team out there. In two years, you're going to be – this is uh, this is their last season in the, Amer- in the Conference USA before going to the American Athletic Conference. Yeah, they don't have a good season. They might want to start fresh with a new coach before heading over uh, to a new conference next year. And then Florida Atlantic, I mean, you're looking at Willie Taggart over there, who has had quite the coaching career, but he has not done a lot with FAU. And there were some high expectations for FAU last year, too. Yeah. I, it's tough, though, right? Because he had a shortened season. Five and four was a good record in a COVID shortened season. You play a full year, you go five and seven. You made the same amount of wins, but. Doesn't feel as good. as good. Yeah, it's not looking <laughs> as good anymore. So yeah, I I think everybody probably should have seen this coming, but at the same time, coming off the back of uh, oh, fuck, who was there before him? Well, I went brain dead. Who was Thank that? You. USF before Willie Taggart? No, Florida Atlantic. Why did I say USF? Oh, Jeez. you went brain dead too. Shit. Because Willie Taggart used to be at USF. I know. <laughs> and then he went to Oregon, and now he's at FAU. See, what a career. I have uh, – Lane Kiffin was at FAU before. And obviously now no longer there with the Ole Miss Rebels. Right. And I – on that note, going from Lane Kiffin, having those amazing seasons, frankly getting FAU a lot of attention and respect they had never gotten before. It's not a good look. For really Got to play right. Ohio State, too, and it was a lot more competitive than it should have been when Lane Kiffin was there. So, respect. Definitely would not be that competitive with Willie Taggart there right now, the way that team's playing. Uh, so, let's talk about who they lost via the NFL draft. UAB lost the highest draft pick, Alex Wright, defensive end. Also, defensive end from Western Kentucky. D'Angelo Malone also went the third round. A couple of UTSA guys got drafted. Spencer Buford, Tariq Woolen, Bailey Zappi leaving Western Kentucky now. Western Kentucky's one of those really weird situations where they kind of thrive on the transfer portal. Bailey Zappi only there for a season. They have a new quarterback in town. Another transfer. Going to only be there for another season. So we'll see what they can put together. Maybe they'll still be solid with that. I don't know how all it works for them, but they kind of make it work sometimes. So, <laughs> What do the Browns have that they'd be willing to give to the Patriots for a quarterback? <laughs> Why do I feel like Bill Belichick went big sky and was like, this is going to fucking blow up on him. Bailey Zappi in the fourth round. I'll be sitting by the phone waiting. Jeez. If that was the move, big big respect. Seeing this now with how everything has unfolded, it just clicked. And I was like, oh, fuck, he did it again. 
So Charlotte actually did have somebody picked up as a UDFA. Good for Charlotte. That's got to be their first player ever make it to the NFL ever in their history. I'm sure. Picked up by the Bears. John Alexander. So good job, man. Uh, Reed Blankenship, who I did call out last year in these segments as being a guy to keep your eyes on. He ends up going undrafted. Didn't have too good of a season last year, but is making some waves at minicamp for the Eagles. And now in training camp, he's still on the roster. So good luck to him. Uh, DQ Thomas. I just love that name. Who names her kid DQ? Um, <laughs> linebacker now for the Jets. And the other two big ones, though, Sincere McCormick and Jareth Stearns. Jareth Stearns was the best receiver in the conference last year. Sincere McCormick was the best player in the conference last year, I would say. <laughs> they both end up going undrafted, but they are gone, and that's going to be some serious impact felt. I would venture to say that Sincere McCormick was the best running back in the group of five last year. I feel I feel pretty comfortable making that statement. I don't know that I disagree with you off rip, so we're going to call that a good If, if you want to look into it, I want to also throw out here, maybe don't look at the academy guys because all they do is run the ball, so they right. might have better numbers. Kind of almost doesn't count. Yeah, it's, it's, almost, <laughs> a, it's almost unfair. But I, man, I would say Sincere McCormick was probably the best group of five running back last year. And then who did they replace him with? Let's look at the recruiting classes. UTSA beat everybody by quite a bit as far as recruiting is concerned, which makes a lot of sense. Texas is a fertile territory, and their head coach is known for having some great connections with high school coaches in the state of Texas. Of course, being a former high school coach in the state of Texas himself. So the fact that he was able to bring in 15. got the UTSA job. Right. Brought in 15 different three stars to UTSA. That's a pretty good job. We'll say UAB does a pretty good job recruiting, too. Other than them, too, it's kind of hard to recruit in Conference USA. I'm surprised Louisiana Tech did as well as they do. I'm, I'm only surprised because Louisiana Tech's probably the fourth school. At the, I mean, they're the third public school, but I they might be – I don't know rankings-wise, desirability-wise. I imagine they're probably getting close to being behind Tulane. Uh, I would say they are behind Tulane already. I mean, Tulane's well, right in downtown New Orleans. I mean, that's a very different college experience. And it's in a better conference. And then, of course, ULL and, uh, oh, yeah, LSU. Right. And, fact, and Louisiana Monroe. I would say Louisiana Tech's above Monroe. But yeah. I mean, the fact that, that, that they, got, they got 12 three-stars – that's uh, that's impressive to me, honestly. Right, right. Uh, the one who did the worst was UTEP, which kind of surprised me, honestly. Um, Florida Atlantic, with only nine recruits on the year, somehow did better than UTEP, technically, with 16 recruits. So they were just bringing in some bodies. <laughs> that's what that says. I mean, nobody wants to basically live in Mexico. I think that's the real issue here. That. Would be a problem, yeah. <laughs> so with these lack of this lack of like huge recruiting ability, everybody in this conference turns to the transfer portal. This has been going on before the transfer portal was even a thing. This was kind of one of the big destinations for 
power five guys who haven't had a chance yet and wanted to get some starter reps under their belt for the next season or two, try to make a name for the NFL draft. Or it was for three-star guys to get that FBS opportunity, ball out, and head to a big-time program. In and out, been a thing for a long time for Conference USA, both directions. So it's not surprising to see a ton of transfers here. I don't want to talk about every single one of these as it would take a decade to list you don't every, have single every single transfer. Sing- right. Yeah. You don't even have every single one in our notes, let alone <laughs> I Right. I, I kind of couldn't. <laughs> I was losing my mind typing as many as I did. So some things I did find very interesting. Down at a level like Conference USA, it is not too uncommon to see guys head there in groups. So, for example, three different defensive players who played for Illinois last year are all headed to Louisiana Tech together this season. Two different defensive players for LSU are headed to UTSA, right? You have three different players from Syracuse headed to Florida International. So that kind of thing is actually kind of common in this range. Three different Florida State players going to Florida Atlantic. So that kind of thing happens. I find that very fascinating to me. Um, but the biggest incoming transfer has to be a tie between Jackson Breton, linebacker headed to UAB, and Jarrett Doge, the new quarterback for Western Kentucky, which is only really a name because he's transferred a couple of times now. <laughs> But he was fairly decent the last time we saw him play. So we'll see what he can do in that kind of video game offense at Western Kentucky. It's it's not even going to be fair, honestly. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. Western Kentucky's offense, the way it works and the way it operates, if you can sling the ball, which this kid can, you're going to be successful. That's just how the, the offense operates. That's why they had some relatively big-time receivers transfer there as well. Uh, Michael Matheson and Jalen Hall both played for Mac schools last year. I believe both of them had Power 5 offers and chose Western Kentucky instead because of Jared Doge and this offense. They said this situation is better for us, and I kind of agree. So... <laughs> some some big time offense can still be down there, Western Kentucky. I think what's interesting for me is that North Texas didn't just take one guy in from the transfer portal; they took two in from the transfer portal. So Grant Gannell is on his third college, I believe, at this point. Obviously, being last in right. Memphis, and uh, he can't even secure a job at North Texas. So that should tell you. If that doesn't tell you enough about how right. I'm not just blowing smoke up everybody's ass and this team's coming, the fact that they're taking two guys at quarterback because they want to have that competition, they want to see who's going to put them in a better position, really I think that should kind of cement it for you. They are doing everything they can to be the best team in the conference. Well, interesting too, the other guy they brought in, who you didn't name, J.D. Head, is transferring from within the conference, former Louisiana Tech player. So – Wild to see what's going on there. Uh, So, like I said, a lot of Power 5 guys coming down looking for an opportunity to get some starting reps because these guys are really talented. Lost their job to a five-star, most likely. 
and want some playing time. So we're seeing a lot of that happening all around the conference, especially in Western Kentucky's offense, but all around the conference. Um, at the same time, we have some big-name people leaving Conference USA and heading for Power 5 pastures. I'm looking at Miles Frazier, one of the most coveted offensive tackle transfers ever since the transfer portal has been a thing, is headed to LSU now. I'm talking Cole Spencer, headed with his offensive coordinator from Western Kentucky to Texas Tech. Mason Brooks, also offensive tackle, also leaving Western Kentucky, and headed to Ole Miss. Like, some of these guys are getting some real big Power 5 offers. to be playing offensive line in the SEC. They'll be playing receiver for Penn State. they be playing corner for Minnesota. I mean, these are some big-time moves. Love it to see it. Honestly, really do wish the best for these guys. One really cool story. I liked quite a bit. Uh, two brothers started their careers at North Texas and both played well enough. They're both headed to UCLA now. <laughs> Shout out to Grayson and Gabriel Murphy. I think <laughs> worth mentioning, I'm sure there are players that left UTSA, but nobody noteworthy enough for us to have highlighted. And that says yeah. a lot about the program Jeff Trailer is built there and the culture he has uh, inside that UTSA Roadrunners locker room. Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> so let's get to the players to watch. Again, we'll start on offense and head to defense. I have a couple of players highlighted, but if you want to jump in with anybody else, you know, feel free. Uh, I will say the best quarterback, and not not the best quarterback in the league, because I think the transfers probably will come in and play better than this guy immediately. The best established starting quarterback in the league right now, though, it's probably Chris Reynolds for Charlotte. That's not saying as much as it sounds like it is because all the good quarterbacks just left at the same time. But Chris Reynolds is not a bad quarterback. And I wouldn't be surprised if Charlotte wins more games than expected this year just because of that. Like this guy is experienced and he's pretty decent. What a great Sorry, time for me to stop talking. Yeah, uh, baby woke me up at 5.30. It's been a great day. Nice. I, it's tough because I don't know that he's the best either. I would actually look towards not Luke McCaffrey, not him. That's dumb. I would look towards Frank Harris at UTSA, especially when you pair him up with Zachariah Franklin. Those guys yep. were electric last year. They're just overshadowed True. by Sincere McCormick. True. This year, the offense, I'm sh- again, I'm sure there's going to be a good running back that's going to be able to pound the ball on the ground when they need him to. But I, I would not be at all surprised if some more pass of the offense headed up by those two guys. Very fair. I will say it's really cool to see a couple of great centers in Conference USA, Abraham Delphin for Louisiana Tech and Shea Baker for Rice are both really solid at the center position. Wouldn't be surprised to see those guys get drafted middle of the draft. They're both seniors, so definitely draft eligible. And uh, (laughs) I think the guy who's probably going to be pushing for the best running back in the conference title is probably Oscar Attaway, the third, out of North Texas. That's my bold prediction. I don't know if it's going to be true or not. I'm kind of rooting for him, though. 
<laughs> he had a really good sophomore season. I, would, I can't wait to see what he does this year. I would love to see it because, again, I've been beating the North Texas drum, but I've been beating that drum because of the defensive side of the ball where I right. believe they've been making the most improvements. So you want to hop out. We're done with the offense. We want to hop over to the defense. All for it. The two uh, guys that we've got go highlighted ahead. for North Texas. Yeah, I'm, I'm rolling straight on ahead either way. Katie Davis, Deshaun Gaddy. We haven't even touched their defensive line. Right. That is right. really where everything that I've seen, that's where they've been the nastiest. And that's where it all starts, right? Tug says it every week. We won't say it this week. But <laughs> the, the back half of this defense, the fact that we're highlighting two of those guys, watch out. Yeah, that front seven is really nasty. KD Davis is probably going to be up there with, you know, all conference honors for sure. Like, write that in pen. Don't even pencil that one in. <laughs> KD Davis is going to be up there barring injury at this point. So, you know, it's that's a really solid defense. And if they put an offense together, North Texas could be finally be a little bit scary. Jordan Ferguson, Ferguson is a guy I'm really looking forward to seeing. MTSU guy. Um, last time I picked an MTSU guy, didn't work out too well for me, but I believe in Jordan Ferguson. We'll see what he can do. The best defensive player in this conference, though, might legitimately be Darius Ship, the defensive tackle for Western Kentucky, really overshadowed by D'Angelo Malone, who's getting all the draft hype. But who was the guy who took up three blocks in order for D'Angelo Malone to get any sacks? That was Darius Ship. He's coming back for his senior season, and I really hope to see him just mauling dudes once again. And we'll probably see another Western Kentucky guy get some big stack numbers because of Darius Ship. Evan Anderson's right up in that conversation, too. Another big nose tackle for Florida Atlantic. He's only a sophomore, though. Have to give a nod to the older guy for best defensive lineman in the conference. <laughs> a guy we don't have listed in our notes here, but he is first team preseason all conference Rashad Wisdom out of UTSA in that safety position. Yeah. Yep. That back half, that secondary for UTSA has been lethal. It's been scary. And the scariest part about it is they can send a corner blitz and they have guys that can cover the receivers just fine from the stage position or the linebacker position, it's the defense is wild. It is it is really a fun thing to watch. Right, and the defensive back I had highlighted from them was Ken Robinson. So the fact that there's two guys you can throw out there and just either one of them is great. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good thing to have in Conference <laughs> USA. Having depth of the position group, that's, that's a new concept. <laughs> So we've been hyping up North Texas and UTSA. I will say neither of us have North Texas winning the conference, though. I Here's the thing. I think it's going to go very much like it did this past season. I think it's going to be Western Kentucky and UTSA at the top. Uh, Tug has UAB number two and then winning the conference championship. I could see that happening as well. I, for the record, have UTSA. Realistically, I think North Texas, you can probably pencil them in at four. I don't know that they have what it takes to get into that number two spot to play in a conference championship game. I think their their ceiling probably is three. If they got to number two, that'd be awesome. And at that point, they'd be hot. I'd probably take them in a conference championship game. But looking at everything right now, 
with what's going on in the locker room, what they have, what they lost, and uh, what they're putting forward this season. And what I know from what I've seen previous seasons, it's got to be UTSA winning the conference for me. Yeah, so I actually have UAB up top. And the biggest reason for that, I would say, is I just don't trust Western Kentucky's offense after losing their coordinator and most of their productive players. They lost both offensive tackles. I still think that's probably going to be the third best team in the conference. But I would say your top two are going to be UAB and UTSA. And at that point, it's kind of a coin toss to me. And I just went with UAB to win the whole thing for something different, honestly. Uh, but I think we can all kind of agree, though, it's it was going to be UTSA, UAB, and Western Kentucky in some order in the top three of that conference. I agree with you. North Texas is right there for that number four. I would say there's probably, like we talked about up top, there's kind of a tier here. North Texas, MTSU, and UTEP are kind of that middle. North Texas feels like the better team to me. But UTEP played like the better team last year, so we'll see what happens. FAU can get in that conversation and probably needs to if Willie Taggart wants to stay there. I don't think Charlotte, FIU, Louisiana Tech, or North or uh, Rice really make any kind of push here at all. At all. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And it's unfortunate. Because there's history with some of these schools, there's potential with some of these schools, and it's just I don't I don't see it happening right. either. Right, that's kind of how college football works: up, ups and downs it is. It all is. the time. You know, Rice was dominant 50 years ago. Haven't seen him be dominant sense. in quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> but they can get back there. Uh, maybe not with Mike Bloomgren at the helm, but they can get back there. I believe. And Conference it is USA, possible. for the record, still has the worst officials in all of college football. Which is saying something. So, Whoa. Big time <laughs> the SEC exists. Most of the SEC. It is bracket time. I would say the SEC is worse than Whoa. Big Ten. That's fair. It but, is uh, bracket Yeah, it's bracket time, as you can hear on from Twitter polls. that old. Let's see how today's bracket unfolds. So what else could we do? We're so inspired by you. That hasn't happened since It's too loud. I can't really talk over it that well. I love it. I love the awkward look. You're like, man, I want to talk over myself singing so bad. I just can't. Yep. It's good good times for all, I'm sure. So (laughs) our bracket, basically, it's going to be all summer. We're going to... Might even tap into football season just a little bit with this. Our bracket is Power 5 football stadiums. And we are including Notre Dame in that. We're also including the teams who are about to be Power 5. So Houston, UCF, BYU, and uh, Cincinnati. Now, we went ahead and did the play-in games. Which means... Cincinnati is moving on over Duke. Houston is moving on over Vanderbilt. That means Wake Forest moved on over Boston College, TCU over Oregon State, and UCF over Washington State. But from this week going forward, 
a big part of the conversation is going to be how you guys vote on our social media polls. So we do have Twitter votes this week, and next week we will certainly have Twitter votes once again. Hopefully Facebook and Instagram as well. Uh, a little bit of a yeah, my, my bad on that. A little bit of a difficulty getting that up this week, but we do have your votes on Twitter. And if you are watching us live, no matter where you are, Facebook, Twitch, any of those places where we are currently live. Go ahead and throw your vote in the comments right now, and you can be right involved very quickly. You can be right involved, yes, in it. British moment. I, I just went dumb. <laughs> Not as dumb as you're going to go talking about Michigan Stadium. Yeah, can no you introduce guy. this one, please? This matchup. I just I want to watch you squirm a little bit more. It's not as fun as I thought it would be. Yeah, so this one is going to be University of Michigan. Michigan Stadium, the big house, our number one house. overall seed. Yeah. Number one so we seed in a by capacity, which means this is number one seed. <laughs> I love how you just alibi that as quickly as possible. So you Well, feel it's the truth. Dirty. It's not an alibi. <laughs> well, you're just saying, I, I didn't want to, but this is just how we did it, Okay. Okay. <laughs> They're going up against Nippert Stadium, which is a lot older than people realize, but also yes. a lot smaller. A whole lot yeah, smaller. Definitely a lot smaller. <laughs> than the big house. The big uh, house is something else, man. I, I want to preserve you from having to talk about it too much because they won on Twitter. I'm going to go with Michigan Stadium as well. Tug's not here. I know you don't want to talk about it anymore, and we have to. No, it's okay. I, I really want to get this out of the way. Well, it's just us two, and Tug's not going to rub it in the face, my face too much. So, <laughs> let's... I can handle one of you making fun of me, but two of you, I might have to leave the show real quick. <laughs> All right, let's 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 be real for a moment. Ohio State bias aside, the Big House is one of the great coliseums in the world. This is legitimately one of the most iconic pieces of sports in the Western Hemisphere and the Northern Hemisphere, no matter how you slice it. The Big House is just, that's something else. It's on a whole nother level. And yes, Nippert Stadium is in a cool location. Honestly, I, I love where it's situated. And you know, driving through Cincinnati, it's not as bad as you think from the highway. But <laughs> <laughs> but it has to be. It has to be the team up north. And just to just to submit it a little bit further, we had Ghost Falcon come in here from Twitch and vote for Michigan. Yeah, it's Yeah. I'll I'll tell you what, it was it was painful. I, I have no I have no horse in the race, no dog in the fight. As far as watching the game this past season, it was it was almost kind of depressing because it felt like all these shots of Michigan. They're like, oh, it's so it's such a nice stadium. It's so cool to look at, but it just felt like Ohio State couldn't get out of second gear. You're like, okay, why? Like, what's? I know I don't want to I don't want to dredge it up too much. I have to a little bit though. Um, they scored a touchdown on every position in the second half. Yeah. It's the reason we have an entirely new defensive staff. Moving on, next <laughs> matchup of the day. We have Jack Trice Stadium, Iowa State, 
and University of Virginia, Scott Stadium. Really it's kind of an interesting matchup here. Some traditional-looking stadiums, but it's a kind of very different vibe, I would say, to the campuses as a whole and the stadiums themselves. So who did Twitter go with? It was a tie. It looks like my transition didn't take here. Um, okay. So we did have a tie okay. between Iowa State and Jack or Iowa State and University of Virginia here. That kind of leaves it to us. We have to come to an agreement here because we don't have Tug with us today. Aesthetically, though, man, I they're kind of identical stadiums. They're very similar. Yes. I'm trying to come up with a reasoning <laughs> legitimately to go with Iowa State because I really want to. Uh, but at the same time, it's not different enough that it's coming to me off the top of my head. So <laughs> that's that sounds terrible, but it's kind of true. So technically, this is called uh, the Jack. And I kind of respect that, but can you not come up with any better name than just literally calling it Scott Stadium, um, which is not even a nickname. That's like the name of the stadium, too. So try harder, please. You want them to be tryhards? Is that what you're saying? Yes, I do want them to be tryhards. They're both actual grass, which is nice. The Jack was updated more recently. Virginia's stadium is certainly a lot older, which I do respect a lot. And I love, it's hard to see, but that kind of background with like almost the pillars at Virginia is a really, really cool look. And you you go into the history of the University of Virginia and it makes a lot of sense that they would have something like that to actually show that in the stadium design is really cool. I think I'm leaning Virginia here, even though I like Iowa state a little bit better, like as a school. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I think that's kind of where I'm at as well. I think aesthetically, when you look at Virginia, you, you can tell there's symbolism in some of this. Neither of these schools have any real big, noteworthy traditions uh, around game day or at the stadium, anything more than any other school would have, right? So, yeah, I, I got to lean Virginia just a little bit more, a little bit older, a little bit more tradition just in the fact of the age of the stadium and the architecture of the stadium, which is definitely something we'll bring up in this next matchup. So I think we're moving on Virginia here, right? Yeah, sounds like it. Virginia over Iowa State. Sorry, Cyclones fans, uh, if any of you are listening. Should have been watching this live and voted live. That's the way That's the way to get it done. Uh, but let's go ahead and jump into the next matchup here. We have Oklahoma Memorial Stadium up against, actually, Capital One Field at Maryland Stadium. I hate that name. We're just going to call it Maryland Stadium. <laughs> so. Yeah, so I... I'll say this now, too. I only put the stadium name. It's really cool that every field is dedicated to somebody. Memphis is the same way, even after the name change. Every field is dedicated to something. Right. Only, it's, and it is included in the stadium, right? They play on a field in the stadium. 
they really were looking overall at the stadium more so than the field. If it comes up as like a decision point, we'll of course have to mention it more in more yeah. detail. But um, I honestly, I think this one's pretty straightforward. I think Twitter got it right. I think we're going with Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. Um, it does give me a little bit of a heart attack looking at how high up that third deck is. Um, otherwise, I've driven past Oklahoma Stadium. It's gorgeous to look at from the highway. You can see straight into it. Maryland Stadium, never been up that way, but it's a horseshoe, and it's not the shoe. Yeah, I actually inverse that. I've been to Maryland Stadium, and I've not been to Oklahoma Stadium. But the fact that you call it the Palace on the Prairie, I mean, that's something else. Uh, and Maryland Stadium honestly doesn't feel that special to be yeah. around it, which sounds harsh, but you have to realize a lot of these stadiums are built in basically the same exact way. <laughs> like, this is a stadium built in 1950. It looks like a stadium that was built in 1950. There are several of these, especially in that area. So Oklahoma has something special here. It really does look unique. It looks different enough, and it looks, like, respectful enough to the tradition of football in Oklahoma. I mean, that's just, that's a that's a whole vibe right there. Memorial Stadium. <laughs> I don't know oh. what else to call it. And fear, fear the turtle. Shout out, Maryland. But you didn't win this one. Boomer Sooner all the way. I do not fear the turtle. Nobody does. <laughs> so we're moving on to our last matchup of the day, actually, which is Dope Campbell Stadium up against Shy Stadium, which the unofficial nickname for Rutgers Stadium is uh, obvious shit stadium. But <laughs> yeah, there's there's a reason they didn't get any votes. It yeah. got it got swept. Look at the outside architecture of Dope Campbell Stadium. Is that is something else. I mean, it is <laughs> immediately identifiable as what it like. Once you've seen it, you know exactly what you're looking at. It so is, it's really interesting, though, to think this stadium was also built in 1950, the house that Bobby built, and uh, it does not look like a stadium that was built in 1950. It looks like literally the, a castle combined with an arena combined with just a palace i don't know what else to call that and it's very updated on the inside right they have kept this stadium feeling fresh feeling new and you got shit stadium up at rutgers it's it's no surprise that this was going to be a clean sweep i think cincinnati did actually get one city vote just because nippert is special they've made it special uh shy stadium got no such love and deservedly so that they get no such love because Man, we're going up against Don Campbell Stadium. Come on. Come on. Right. I will say, um, you know, Rutgers as a college football university, there is a lot of tradition there. And if this would have been the birthplace of college football, right? Right. Right. It is. If they would have had the same field that they've had since 1860 and they just built a stadium around that. This would be a totally different conversation. I don't care if you have 30-seat bleachers. Yep. Bottom seat, I don't care. That would have been moving on a couple of rounds. This was built in 1994, and it feels 
it feels soulless compared yeah. to Florida State here. Like, it honestly, it looks like an FCS stadium with a second deck. Right. It really does. It really does. So it's no surprise. Uh, hopefully, no surprise. Go Campbell Stadium is moving on here pretty handily, I might add. And that actually does it for our matchups today. We're only going to be doing four a week, which keeps things fresh, keeps conversations kind of light, but at the same time, we can go into more detail if we need to, and we can still have plenty of time for news and other things that we want to cover in the show. So be on the lookout for that. It'll be four matchups every week, and that means next week, what matchups do we have to look forward to? Well, I already flashed it a little bit. This is uh, Bryant-Denny Stadium, University of Alabama. Absolute juggernaut here going up against Syracuse University, JMA Wireless Dome. Keep wanting to call it JWA Wireless Dome. I don't know. I keep wanting to call it the Carrier Dome, but. Yeah, it is. is, Yeah. Recently renamed. So, me screwing up the new name is the best way for me to not say Carrier Dome on the show. uh, True. I got to say, I love the, uh, the light display here, and it looks like, the, I think this, these are the most updated photos, so I don't know if it was yeah. the Carrier Dome last year, but that scoreboard is very new. It was the Carrier Dome last year still, actually. Oof. They called it the Dome for a month in between naming partners, and then now JMA, yep, that's right. as of like last month. <laughs> yeah, uh, second yeah. matchup of next week, not even a college football field. To start us off. Yeah. Yeah, this is tough. Heinz Field, the home of the Pittsburgh Steelers, is also home of the Pittsburgh Panthers. Uh, not enough room in Pittsburgh for two football stadiums, I guess. So we have to use an NFL one. Uh, Plenty of against, swamp ass, though. <laughs> up against uh, West Virginia. And I keep wanting to call this Mountaineer Field. I kind of know it as Mountaineer Field. Oh, owned by the stadium name. Milan. Pusker. <laughs> also a lot of swamp swamp ass up there, but for different reasons. Swamp ass. Swamp ass. <laughs> Swampy. Very interesting matchup. We actually have the backyard brawl back in action in our stadium's bracket. So very cool. Not going to lie. Love, love that. To see it. Love and to see third it. matchup of next week, we have Sanford Stadium. Between the hedges. Going between the hedges. Oh, man. I'm sorry, Kansas State. And up against the recently renamed, recently as in the past couple of years, the Bill Snyder Family Football Stadium. Very respectful to the longtime head coach, Bill Snyder. Um, That's all we're going to say about it right now. (laughs) Last matchup next week, we're looking at Husky Stadium. Up against Carter Finley, Washington versus NC State, opposite ends of the country. Not a very common actual game matchup, so kind of cool to be talking about these stadiums independently here. Yeah, I uh, I'll save my comments for next week. Let's just let's leave it there. Sounds good to me. So get will, your comments involved in the show too. A vote on our Twitter polls at BDT Football. You can find us there. Uh, Facebook. Also, BDT Football Instagram. We are BDT underscore football. And if you want to follow us anywhere, we would certainly appreciate it. 
If you have not been watching us live on Twitch, you're certainly missing out. Get your voice heard on the show live. Get your questions answered live on the show. Uh, Twitch, we are big dudes in the trenches, all one word. Or, alternatively, you could check us out on Facebook and watch us live there, too. Very, very true. And still comment. Let us know. And still comment on Facebook. We can see everywhere. You could comment. You could email us during the show, and I bet one of us would find it. So, uh, there's there's <laughs> a high likelihood. I'll, I'll put there's the likelihood that works at high. Eighty five percent or so, we would see it mid show. That's pretty good odds. It'd be better if you watch us live on Twitch or Facebook, but it's pretty good odds. So, <laughs> but that's really all I've got. Let's hand it over to you to wrap up the show, man. What do you got? So, first off, I want to say I left this out in the uh, college football news. Um, it probably should have gone there, but Mackenzie Milton has officially retired from the game of football. Obviously, unfortunately, most well-known for the devastating injury he took in college while playing at UCF. Uh, came back, played a little bit at FSU, and looked okay at times. Uh, but you could tell he just wasn't the same player. He's, he's calling it quits. Uh, man, what could have been is going to be a question about Mackenzie Milton for a minute, at least, if not for longer. Hate to see it. Really do. Absolutely. But, uh, wow. We have, we've gotten big enough on Twitch to get a spam bot account. Can't wait. Love to Can't see, see it. More of that. <laughs> Love to see it. But hey, I just I want to give uh, <laughs> want to give a shout out to you before we get out of here. Shout out to my fingers. I can count on all of them. Yes, you certainly can. Toes as well, but you have to be not wearing any shoes, which means head on to the beach. No shoes, no shirt, and full range of counting. You got to be careful though around some people. They might have a foot fetish. You know, you know what I'm saying. Some people. Hey, somebody might have a hand fetish too. You never know. That's very true, but uh, <laughs> let's get out of here, dude. We've been this is so weird. So wait, wait, wait. are we doing Tug thing? <laughs> Fuck no. Peace out, girl. Go have a good day.